Let's find out the worst that could happen, even when you work behind a desk. Number one, Jiverly Wong, submitted by Sapphire Witch. I live in a small city in upstate New York. We're not known for all that much, other than being the birthplace of Twilight Zone creator Rod Serling and chicken spidey sandwiches. But we've made CNN a few times, and for all the wrong reasons. Here is one of those stories. My mom worked for an insurance company for 35 years. Usually, all she has to worry about are her deadbeat coworkers who can't get the paperwork right. But once, she came very close to facing her own death. There used to be this Vietnamese man who would come up to her floor looking for cans. It sounds odd that he would just walk in off the street, but he seemed very harmless. People would give him soda cans they collected and then send him on his way. Fast forward a few years to 2009. I was at college two hours away. I just happened to be walking out of the cafeteria when I saw a TV playing breaking news on CNN. I stopped and listened when they mentioned my hometown. I was soon horrified. The news was saying that right downtown at the American Civic Association, a man had walked in and started shooting. That building was right next to where my mother worked her office job. I immediately grew worried, more worried than I could have ever been. I didn't have a phone to call her and I couldn't do anything. There was no way I could run over there risking my own life to see if my mom was okay. I had to wait and pray. Later that day, after my classes, after I couldn't pay attention to anything else because my mom was on my mind, I was finally able to get to the office phone and call her. Thankfully, she picked up and she was okay. But 14 people were dead, including the gunman, and four others were wounded. This was the worst mass shooting my hometown had ever seen. And guess who had been the gunman? That's right, the sweet, not so innocent man. He used to walk right up into my mom's office building and ask her and her coworkers for cans. She could remember a few times when she was doing paperwork where she had talked to him on occasion. He didn't say much and he only seemed to be after the cans and the little trash cans by the desks. No one there could have ever imagined that this seemingly sweet man would turn into a murderer. After this incident, my mom's office implemented some extremely strict security. No one could enter the building at all without a badge that unlocked the doors. It's made things harder, but as far as I'm concerned, it's definitely worth it, considering what might have happened to my mother. The man's name was Jiverly Wong, and he put my hometown on the map for the wrong reasons. Today, a monument of 14 white doves has been erected near the center downtown area. We've had our fair share of tragedies ever since, but nothing compares to this. All you gotta do is look up his name and you'll find all the news resources you need to prove that this really happened. My heart goes out to everyone that lost their lives that day. Number two, my office is haunted. 
submitted by Brandon R. This is a story that happened to some coworkers of mine. In May of 2016, a nice old lady who worked in our customer service, Elaine, died all of a sudden and was found in her driveway dead. We worked at an office building and there were multiple different departments in it. Some weeks after her passing, this cute redhead in my department, let's call her Mandy, was with my cousin who's my supervisor. Let's call him Dom. It was just the two of them that night at the office. Well, Mandy was busy handing work out up front to people's desks for them to do the next day when they arrived. When all of a sudden, she began to hear someone humming, coming from Elaine's desk. Remember, Elaine had died. Nobody was in that area except Mandy, as everybody who works up front was already home. If it were me in that situation, I definitely would have soiled myself. Well, a few months go by, and this other old lady named Christine came back from being gone one day. She had a long history with cancer, and unfortunately, she was given until February 2017 to live, and she died a few months after Elaine died. One day, in what is known as the Smurfit department, this lady, Doreen, was communicating to my mom, who works in the room across doing banking and accounting. They were talking about how they miss Elaine, how it was a tragedy that she passed. Right during their conversation, Doreen looked up to see Elaine's face staring right at her, and then she saw Elaine walk into customer service right up to her old desk. Her mouth was wide open when she saw this. The next moment when she blinked, Elaine was gone and everything was back to normal. She had no idea how to explain what had just happened. There was no mistaking that that was Elaine. They had practically been face to face. This last experience concerns me. One morning, I was working as I had the eight to four shifts daily, and my friend Mike, who I always talk with about video games and such, was working there too. It was just us two in our department. Everything was fine until at the worst time I decided to look on the other side of the room away from me. I don't know why I did, but I definitely regretted it. There was a broom on that side of the room. It was standing against the wall where someone had left it. Then I swear I'm not lying about this. It began moving left and right on its own and I didn't see anything run past it. There was no one else there, but it kept doing it left then right. It almost looked like someone was cleaning with it. I was beyond creeped out. So I told Mike, but he just thought I was nuts or trying to prank him. To this day, he still doesn't believe what I saw. Our department is the scan center and it's one of the very first original places on Long Island to ever be able to scan documents for companies that work with us. Our clientele includes Google, Apple, Hallmark, and many others. And it's the last place I ever expected to be haunted. It just goes to show you that any place at any time could be subject to paranormal activity. Personally, I hope I never see any ghosts of the two ladies who used to work there. 
What's scary is one day I told Doreen about the broom I saw in my department, and I asked her if Elaine or Christine were very clean people, and she said no. So what I saw was possibly a different spirit altogether. To this day, I have no idea who it could have been doing that with the broom, and I keep it stood up in a different part of the room now, behind a red support beam so I can't see it. Whether it's a haunted broom or the ghost of a coworker long past trying to get some work done, I just don't want to be a part of it. Number three, Office Scare, submitted by Koi Koi 89 This experience was the first time in my life I thought I was going to die. I used to work for a well-known payday loan company. Part of my job was to collect on past due accounts, including title loans. For those of you who don't know what this is, it's a title pawn, basically, but with different legalities. Anyway, it was a rather slow day that day, and a very good customer had recently dropped off their vehicle because they knew they wouldn't be able to pay back the loan. It was sad, but it happens. Don't get me wrong, I felt awful for them, but business is business, so I had to take his key. We had the vehicle for over a month and hadn't heard a thing from our repo contractor on when he was coming to get it. A few days go by, and there is another unusually slow day. I was sitting at my boss's desk, making calls to such and such places, when a quad cab Chevy whipped into the handicapped spot, directly in front of the glass doors of our building. I watched as two tall and extremely well-built men, wearing black from head to toe, including boots, hat, and sunglasses, stepped out of the truck as if they were on a very important mission. My stomach dropped into my feet when I saw that they both had on a utility belt and they were holstered with guns. Not even bothering to remove their sunglasses, the two huge men stepped right through my door and I was operating the place alone at this time. I was never more grateful to be at my manager's desk where the panic button was. I smashed it several times waiting to hear the cock of a gun. I was certain I was about to get robbed as the older man of the two stood there with a stupid grin on his face and the other's expression was just blank. Finally, I worked up enough courage to say from the desk, how can I help you guys today? Expecting one of them to demand money or they would shoot me or something cliche like that. Then the two guys began to laugh amongst themselves as if they'd remembered an inside joke they had just told. It was weird, but the smile on the younger one's face didn't last long. Soon he was back to that blank expression, then occasionally began to lick his lips in front of me. I didn't know if something was wrong with him or if he was trying to freak me out. I was hoping the cops would get here fast. I grew more terrified by the second. Then the older one spoke again. He said to me in a very menacing voice, his smile creeping even further up his face, you know what we're here for. At that point, I thought I was going to pass out to just faint right then and there. At least then I wouldn't be awake for whatever they wanted to do here with me or with the money. 
Then the younger one, the weird one, stood up and began to pull something out from behind him. I think at that moment I was sweating bullets. Was it going to be a knife or some other weapon he had hidden behind his jeans? In a flash, he pulled out whatever it was and I closed my eyes. And the next thing I hear is, uh, ma'am, ma'am, are you okay? Coming from the older guy. I opened my eyes slowly and the young man had a business card in his hand. I sighed and immediately felt embarrassed. It was our repo guys picking up the bike that we had been holding onto for at least two months. I, I couldn't believe it. They were here for the surrendered vehicle. After all that, my district manager was pissed and she gave him her two cents about the whole thing. The cops who finally arrived looked at me like I was some idiot when I explained the situation. But the thing is, I'd never met these men in my life and the way they acted, they would have driven anyone to paranoia. These guys weren't the typical people we worked with. The way they dressed, the way they drove, the way they acted, it was reckless and rude. This may not be a big deal to some of you, but I honestly didn't think I was going to go home after that. I thought I'd be dead before the police ever arrived. It was the most horrifying experience of my life, all thanks to a couple of guys whose demeanor and clothing made me certain that they were up to no good. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number four, Creeper in the Penthouse, submitted by S.G. I was at my first job, fresh out of college, after receiving my administration assistant diploma. I'd been at my job for about a year or two when my bosses informed me that they had decided the admin staff needed to grow. My position was growing and more responsibilities were being added to my pile, which was tough, but I welcomed it. After a hefty set of people came in for interviews, I was introduced to the guy they decided to hire. Let's call him James. He was a very short guy who dressed like a stereotypical mob minion from any classic gangster movie. He seemed to be friendly enough and alarm bells weren't going off when we were introduced. 
All in all, he seemed like a normal guy. But that would soon change the weeks that followed as I began to orientate him to the new job and I trained him on various aspects of the job. It began with just winks and flashing his million dollar smile, as he put it. It quickly progressed to him touching my back, smelling my perfume with an equally creepy, you smell amazing, and other instances I won't go into. I think you get the idea. Creepy and lame in and of itself, but he had spent so much time staring at my chest while I was training him that he didn't absorb much of the training itself, and every bit of it was important to the job. Weeks turned into months, and he was still asking me how to file invoices, which was the most basic and first thing to learn. One day, I saw him get into his car as I was walking to mine. He waited before pulling out, and when I pulled out to go home, I saw him follow me. I probably shouldn't have drove home, but when I pulled up and got out, he drove up and stopped right in front of my place, and he either snapped some pictures or recorded a video on his phone of my home. Without a word or even a smile, he rolled up his window and drove away. At work, I began to see him more and more, no matter how much I tried to avoid him. And with every encounter, he would just talk less until it got to the point where he wasn't speaking at all and just stood around me looking me up and down like some piece of meat. It creeped me out so bad that I was too scared to say anything. If he would follow me home and blatantly film me where I live, what else would he do if he knew I was going to get him in trouble? I'm sorry if this was wrong, but I didn't want to find out. But I had my own way of dealing with it, so I let my bosses know that I was looking for employment elsewhere and I would need time to attend any interviews I would be called in for. James was gone for that day, so I figured he would hear through the grapevine eventually. I was willing to do anything to not be around him anymore. A few days later, I arrived at the office a few hours after my usual start time, as I had gone to a job interview. One of my bosses pulled me aside and let me know that with the prospect of me leaving, James submitted his two-week notice Apparently, he didn't want to work there if I wasn't going to be. Not only that, but apparently he had been scouted for another job with a different company somewhere in the building. Finally, the emotions that were building up over the past few months were let loose, and I let both of my bosses know exactly what had been going on. Just the shoddy job performance stuff, not the harassment and stalking. They gave me a $3 an hour raise to keep me with them, and I didn't end up getting the job I'd interviewed for anyway. I was just glad that I didn't have to see him in that office anymore. Part of me wishes I would have done something, as guys like that need to know that their behavior is bad, that the way they act is basically something from a scary movie. Anytime a person makes you fear for your own safety and security, they need to change what they're doing before something bad happens. I believe a lesson can be learned from this for young women entering the corporate world. Know your worth and don't be afraid to stand up to yourself. You're not the one that should be embarrassed when someone treats you like you're some sort of prey animal in the Congo. As for James, I hope we never meet again. Number five. Room 7, 
submitted by Dallas F. I'm 24 years old and I'm a medical assistant at a fairly large health center in Arizona. The clinic I work for is two stories and it happens to be the first clinic built for this health center back in the 80s. I work in the oldest area of the building and there is one particular room that I've never liked, a room that I stay away from when I can. Room seven, it's pretty much like all the other rooms. The only difference is the feeling you get when you're inside the room with the door closed. The room seems to change around you. I can only describe this nightmarish feeling as claustrophobia and heavy, as if 30 people were crammed in there at once. There's a pressure to it that terrifies me. It's cliche to say, but weird things are always going on in there. Small but noticeable things, like cabinet doors being wide open and odd sounds. Recently, I was rooming a patient, and as I was asking them the basic questions for the paperwork, we both heard a loud rustling. Myself and the patient were seated at a corner on the other side of the room, and when we heard the odd noise, we both turned to look at it at the same time. It was unmistakably the crinkling of the paper on the exam table, which no one was near. It had sounded exactly as if someone was sitting on the bed and was shifting around to get comfortable. I've also heard the sound of something being loudly dropped or slammed, but when I went inside the room to see, there was nothing on the floor and no one had been in there for several hours. There have been some other strange things happen in that room that no one can explain. Most of my job is clerical and I mainly stay in our office area, which is basically like a nurse's station. There are files all over and there's this old panel full of buttons that has no use anymore. It's a dated piece of hardware that we need to get rid of. These buttons are connected to similar buttons in all the rooms and a long time ago, they were used to communicate back and forth, nurses to patients or other nurses. Basically, if you were in a room and you needed the doctor to come from the nurse's station, you would hit the provider needed button and the corresponding light would come on, letting someone know. Again, we don't use this panel anymore because we have laptops, Skype, cell phones, and an intercom. It's not really needed. Anyway, the light for room seven always turns on at the weirdest times. The panel is set into the far wall where it isn't easy to bump the buttons by accident. It could just be that the wiring is broken in the panel, but the odd thing is that room seven's button is the only one that appears to be broken, if that's the case. Absolutely none of the other room's buttons ever malfunction. We've raised the panel before and examined the wiring and nothing appears wrong, but who knows, I'm no electrician. It's gotten to the point where we just ignore that light when it comes on. There's no pattern to it, it's just completely random, and albeit a little bit creepy, I always wonder what entity is trying to beckon us back to the room. The incident that really shook me happened a couple of weeks ago. I'd been inside the same room with a patient, taking their vitals, when I sat down again to enter them into my computer, my cursor began to act weird. 
I hadn't even touched the mouse yet, but the cursor was moving in a downward slant to the bottom left of the screen. I wiggled the mouse myself, but the cursor kept going. Eventually, I had to lock the screen and turn the mouse off and unplug it before it would finally stop. So after that weirdness, I keep entering the information like I usually do. Everything works normally for a while until I go to change the status of the patient to ready for provider and I can barely explain what happened next. But I would move the mouse and then it would jump to a completely different part of the screen. Our laptops were touchscreens, so to me, it was like someone had been tapping the screen, screwing with my cursor on purpose. At this point, I was really weirded out, so I just got all my stuff and told the patient that the doctor would be with them soon. As I'm pulling the vital machine to the door, I kid you not, I feel a hard tug on the sleeve of my scrubs, and not only do I feel it, I see it. I see the impressions of a hand and the pull of the cloth of my uniform. I'm so surprised and horrified by this that I fall to the floor trying to back away from it. The patient is just looking at me as I lay there in the doorway, probably thinking that I need to be the patient instead. I pick myself up, now sweating bullets, and I tell him that everything's fine, and then I leave the vital machine, go get a different nurse to grab it, and go about my business the rest of the day, trying my best to avoid room seven. And if you still doubt that the mouse and the computer going haywire was something else, let's just say that every other person that's used that same vital machine and mouse hasn't had a single problem with it since then. And believe me, I've asked. I've been asking everyone I can if they've had similar happenings in room seven. Aside from the room seven light always being on, Another MA said that she walked by the room one day and saw that the curtain was being pulled around the bed, that she could even see the shadow of a hand pulling the side of the curtain. She asked who was there because the door was open and she could shut the door for them for privacy. When no one answered, she walked up to the curtain and peeked behind it and that's when she saw that she was alone in that room. The female PA we work with told me that she'd felt a weird prickling sensation on the back of her shoulders, and at one point, someone yanked on her ponytail when she was in room seven. I'm glad it's not just me that's been noticing these things. I hate to say it, but it all actually intrigues me. It usually isn't common for people to die at their doctor's office, but we have had rapid responses all the time. If we aren't vigilant, someone could easily pass away on us, it really makes me wonder about the history of our building, and more specifically, if there's been a tragedy in room seven. I've always been more of a white collar guy myself. I honestly hate working with my hands. To the tougher folks out there who do, I envy you. For one, your work often exhausts you physically. That's a difficult thing to live with and therefore impressive. And two, you usually get to be away from the people, the customers, the cramped spaces that could all go wrong. There seems to be no limit to how angry customers can get or how haunted offices can be. Hopefully, you'll never know. But one thing is certain. 
it's far too easy for someone or something to break into your building and crawl over your desk. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Also, a huge thanks goes out to all my current patrons and to my $25 or more backers out there. I'll be sending you your goodie bag soon. It's a little delayed this month, but you can expect one of my absolute favorite children's books, one that's creepy enough for adults and kids alike. Anyway, to all of you out there, stay safe and stay creepy. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.